Good morning and Merry Christmas. Wasn't that beautiful? It's beautiful up here. <laughs> My name is Susie Bates. I'm the Generations Pastor here at Pulpit Rock, and I'm very excited to be kicking off our Advent season this morning. Advent means arrival, and everything we're going to talk about today is life-changing because Jesus came to us. He arrived. We're going to talk a lot about our hearts this morning, and as I look at this beautiful painting, um, I think it's good for us to be reminded uh, how intimately Jesus knows our hearts and how relentlessly he pursues our hearts as he arrives in our lives. I love the Christmas season. There will always be things that I see or hear each year that let me know that the season has arrived. Um, some of those things are very deep and meaningful to me. Nativity scenes, songs like Silent Night, they remind me of my faith. And then there's some things that are just silly traditions that have come to, to mean a lot to me, like the fact my family, we always put up our Christmas tree uh, the weekend right after Thanksgiving. I know for some people that's too soon. That's okay. Um, I love doing that with my family. I love the sillier Christmas songs like Santa Baby and All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, in my family, we watched the old 60s How the Grinch Stole Christmas cartoon each year. I grew up watching that, and I love making my family watch it. I think it's just adorable and um, just so meaningful to me because it's just always been around in my life at Christmas time. Um, I actually wanted to read a few lines from that story um, just to get you in the Christmas spirit, if that's okay. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. And I want to highlight the Grinch's heart in this story, so I'm going to jump ahead to what I think is the best part anyway. Um, we all know what happens in between. The Grinch shows up Christmas Eve night, and he sneaks in all the Who's houses, and he steals all their toys and their trees and their lights and their feast, and he just can't wait to wake up the next morning and not hear them singing joyful songs that Christmas has arrived. He'd rather hear them wailing that, that it hasn't showed up. Uh, but we know what happens. The Who's wake up, all their stuff is gone, but they don't care. They all go out in the courtyard, they start holding hands and singing anyway, and the Grinch is just really baffled by it. So we pick up the story there. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. Now, I thought about rhyming the rest as I preach, uh, but going from Dr. Seuss to the Bible is probably enough of a reach. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. That was great. We are going to be in the Bible this morning. We're going to be in 1 Thessalonians, if you want to go ahead and turn there. 
And I do think there's a connection there between the Grinch and what Paul will be saying to the people of Thessalonica, because Paul is going to talk about our hearts and how they can actually grow, just like the Grinches did. But before we get into the text, I do want to point out another character in this story, and that is little Cindy Lou Who, this tiny Who daughter who had gotten out of bed for a cup of cold water. I think it's safe to say she captures the essence of the Christmas spirit, right? She's innocent, she's wide-eyed and trusting. She has nothing but excitement and wonder and anticipation for Christmas. I can remember only ever feeling that way about Christmas. When I was young, and this broken world that we live in hadn't busted up my heart yet. Because I'll tell you now, these days, I, it's not hard for me to find tension in the Christmas season. It should be a season of giving, right? But I get stressed about how far a Christmas budget will stretch. I'm like, will we make Christmas magical enough for our kids, you know? And um, I want to get gifts for all the extended family, and I would love to have something special to give all my friends and my coworkers. And before I know it, I have more anxiety about the giving that I want to do than joy. I feel like it should be a season of being present, right? I want to spend time with my family, like quality time together. But we have so many Christmas parties to make appearances at and, and winter orchestra concerts to sit through. And, and I feel like when my kids are finally out of school and we're home and we have time, like that's when my to-do list grows five times and, and I'm busier than ever. And I feel like I can't be present. It sure seems like that Christmas should be a season of joy. But so many people close to me are holding a lot of heartbreak. A dear friend of mine um, will be turning 17 in just over a week. And last month, he and his family decided together to stop chemotherapy treatment um, for the terminal brain cancer that he's been fighting for two years. So this family that I, I have come to love deeply, they're preparing for future Christmases without him. I have other friends who are preparing for their first Christmas alone after the loss of a spouse. Other friends of mine are, are facing job layoffs or divorce or, or infertility or just flat-out loneliness. And I'm frustrated how easily I can find my heart so far from that joy-filled Cindy Lou Who place that it seems like it should be this time of year. Especially during the Christmas season, I want my heart to be expanding, to be growing, filled with joy. I don't want it to be shrieking back from others and breaking apart. So let's take a look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, where Paul's going to talk about the hearts of the people of Thessalonica and his hopes for them. And I think Paul's words speak to us today, to our hearts as well, especially in light of the great arrival of Advent. So Paul's writing to the people of this community, and uh, we know Paul was always disturbing the peace with his claims of Jesus being the long-awaited Messiah. And in this town in particular, an angry mob broke out, and Paul and his team had to flee for their lives. But not before Paul got the message out, so there were new believers that had sprouted up, but they hadn't had enough time with Paul to learn from him. 
And so Paul's friend Timothy began traveling back and forth with letters and questions on behalf of Paul and the people of this community. Those letters were compiled into what we now have as First and Second Thessalonians. Let's look at verses 12 and 13. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. He says, when our Lord Jesus comes. This verse and these letters as a whole, they have hints of what is coming, of who is coming. And this leads Paul to talk about how we live and love in light of what we know about the future. The way we conceive the future sculpts the present. If our sense of what is to come is fleeting, then we live lackadaisically. But if we believe God is bringing his kingdom to earth as it is in heaven, then we have an opportunity to grab hold of something that can pull our hearts towards growth and love and away from hopelessness and despair. That thing we can grab a hold of is his arrival. He arrived as a baby in a manger, and he is arriving in our lives all around us every day as he ushers his kingdom onto earth. And Paul talks about how we can connect our hearts to that arrival no matter where our hearts may lie this Christmas season. In this scripture, we see Paul using more wishful-like words rather than the commands that he uses elsewhere in these letters. One commentary that I read while studying this passage referred to Paul's words as a wish prayer. I just love how whimsical that sounds. It sounds like it belongs in that Grinch story, a wish prayer. What makes his words a wish prayer? What is a wish prayer? Things we wish for are things we hope for. And with Jesus, these wishes can carry much more meaning. They can become prayers. I was having lunch last week with some of my work friends. Molly and Sarah, Lindsay and Christina and I all sat at a table together. And I'll tell you, we just wish prayed our hearts out for our kids. We didn't call it that in the moment, but as I drove away from the restaurant, I thought, that's what a wish prayer is. Those were some serious wish prayers going up from our hearts. We were just sharing our hopes and dreams for our kids deep-rooted longings for their hearts and their futures, cries of our mama hearts that just break so easy for these little humans that God has entrusted us with. And we admitted at lunch that day that we can't make these things happen in our kids' lives. They are just what we wish for, what we long for, what we pray for, wish prayers. And I see why one commentator used that term to describe Paul's heart in this text. Because this isn't something Paul can make happen for these people. This is something he is longing for. This isn't a command that he is making. This is a hope he has for these people. And this hope he has is in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. It's a wish prayer for their hearts because of what he knows about the future. He says, may your love increase and overflow. And I think this means more than just, may you love more. And I think this is where the Grinch comes in. Paul doesn't just want them to just love more. While loving more is a good thing, it just kind of sounds like, 
try harder. And I don't think that's what he meant, and I don't think that's what our hearts need to hear. I think what Paul is wish-praying for these people is much more than that. He is wish-praying that their hearts actually expand. Not just that they would be able to love more, but that their hearts be strengthened by their capacity for love being expanded. That their hearts grow in their capacity for love. There's a Henry David Thoreau quote that is very relevant here. It's not what you look at that matters. It's what you see. There's so much to look at this time of year. But do we actually see? Do we just look at the lights and the tree and the manger scene? Or do we actually see his arrival? And as I reflect on how I can move my heart from just loving more to actually expanding in its capacity for love, like Paul is talking about here, I realized it has to start with me actually seeing Christ's arrival, his arrival to his people, his arrival in my heart. I can't just look at it. I have to see it. How did he arrive into this world? How did he arrive to me? Well, his arrival was incredibly intimate. Almighty God humbling himself to show up to his people as one of them, a recognizable face, a mirror image of me. His arrival was mysterious, captivating, a miracle conception, a cloud to follow by day, a star to follow by night, a love that presses in even when I push away. That's a great mystery. His arrival was risky, seemingly reckless even, placing the birth of this life-changing love in the heart and body of a teenage virgin. Moving forward with the great rescue plan, even though so many things could derail it because he's placed it in the hands of humans. He trusts me to carry this message of arrival to the people around me. His arrival was very communal. The Gospel of Luke tells us the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus was always sharing a table with others, with anyone, whether they were following him yet or not. He has invited me to his table. When I don't just look at his arrival, but truly see his arrival and how he comes to me, my heart begins to expand. And when I don't just look at those around me, but truly see them, see their pain, see their joy, see that recognizable image of my heavenly Father in the faces around me, my capacity to love them grows. And when I bring his arrival to those around me in the same way he arrives, I am a part of that ushering in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And my heart expands in its capacity to love because I have joined God in his work, in the way he works. Not just by loving more, but by moving in close to others with intimacy, loving with a captivating love. Recklessly loving others with abandonment, not expecting anything in return. Sharing a table, giving my time. When I arrive in others' lives, the way Jesus arrives to me, my capacity for love is expanded. 
and I'm not just loving more. I am changed. My heart is strengthened and called to life. And isn't that the cry of all our hearts anyway? Isn't that a wish prayer that lies deep in the hearts of us all? That we be brought to life. That we not just spend our lives looking at things, but that we actually see the arrival of God into our lives, into the people and the places and the moments around us that we look at every day. I invite you to not just look at Advent this season. See his arrival in your heart. Pour that arrival out on those around you in the same way that he has arrived in your life. And you will find your heart grows three sizes. You will feel your capacity for love grow. The one who was sent to us sends us out. When we do this, our hearts are strengthened and expanded in their capacity for love. And we are changed. And this is the wish prayer of our Father. That his arrival in our lives and our world change us, change others, change everything. As Kevin and the band come up to close us in song, I want to give you a few moments to reflect, to listen to God. There will be some questions on the screen to meditate on. What is a wish prayer you have for yourself? What is a wish prayer you have for someone else? I pray you will respond, whatever that means to you, whether that's something you just do in your heart, or maybe it's, it's something that you know you should do this week. If you'd like to, you can write out your wish prayer and you can place it in the prayer wall. You can also visit our new uh, candle stations. Spend some time there. You can light a candle to represent a commitment that you want to make, to represent a loved one you want to remember, or maybe, maybe you just need something that you can see that reminds you of hope. You have some freedom in these next several minutes. Let's just listen and see what God may have to say to us.